Good day, I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to the Climate Report for Thursday, February 9th, 2023. The Climate Report broadcasts and podcasts on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. On today's show, we highlight the bold new policy changes that California is implementing to tackle the climate emergency, as well as how the governor's new proposed budget may actually undo what was just enacted. Please note, all Climate Report shows are archived at KVMR's podcast page for re-listening and sharing. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. Well, we turn to Cal Matters, who did a great article on California's far-reaching strategy for tackling climate change. This is a brand new set of proposals put out by the California Air Resources Board two months ago. They unanimously approved a sweeping state plan to battle climate change, creating a new blueprint for the next five years to cut carbon emissions, reduce reliance on fossil fuels, and speed up the transition to renewable energy. Called a scoping plan, the 300-page strategy could serve as a roadmap for other states and other countries to follow, including a long list of proposed measures that, once adopted, would slash California's greenhouse gases and clean up air pollution in the smoggiest state in the nation. The California Air Resources Board's plan sets an aggressive target of cutting greenhouse gases to 48% below 1990 levels by the end of this decade at 2030, which is aligned with what scientists say needs to be done. But this is up from the 40% currently required by law by the end of this decade. The ultimate goal is to cut use of oil 94% and become carbon neutral as a state, which means the amount of carbon removed is greater than the carbon generated. And the goal of becoming carbon neutral is set for the year 2045. So again, the Air Resources Board has pushed up what is currently the state requirement to only reduce our emissions by 40% at the end of this decade to make it aligned with 50% by the end of this decade as required by scientists. And the carbon neutral target would be 2045. The Air Resources Board member Daniel Sperling, who's also director of the Institute of Transportation Studies at UC Davis, said this is an extraordinary exercise and document, and it's the most comprehensive, detailed plan for getting to net zero anywhere in the world. To meet the plan's targets, state officials project that California, over the next 20 years, will need about 30 times more electric vehicles We'll need six times more household electric appliances to replace gas appliances, and we'll need four times more wind and solar generation capacity all over the next 20 years. Achieving the targets would cost tens of billions of dollars, the Air Board estimates. Said David Weisskopf, senior policy advisor with Next Gen Policy, a progressive advocacy group, if we do it right, we will save thousands of lives, reduce economic inequality, and begin to repair the harm that low-income communities and Californians of color disproportionately suffer for the sake of oil company profits. If we do it wrong, 
we risk perpetuating those injustices for generations to come. Well, unsurprisingly, the oil industry, however, says this plan is too ambitious in eliminating fossil fuels and their products from California. According to the CEO of the California Independent Petroleum Association, an industry trade group who has nothing but a financial interest in continuing the status quo, they're quoted as saying under Newsom's plan, California would become solely dependent on foreign oil. Before the vote in mid-December, 99 members of the public spoke at what ended up being an eight-hour meeting. Most were opposed to the plan's reliance on technologies that are unproven to capture carbon emissions from oil refineries and other fossil fuel-producing plants, which would actually allow them to keep polluting low-income communities rather than shutting them down more quickly. The Air Board held three hearings and multiple workshops over the past six months in order to obtain public comments before voting in mid-December. This scoping plan, which is updated every five years, was first unveiled last May and has gone through at least one major revision that strengthened several strategies, including offshore wind development, climate-friendly housing construction, cleaner aviation fuels, reducing overall miles traveled by humans, and fast-tracking carbon removal projects. Some board members after the vote expressed lingering concerns over carbon capture, but they said the emphasis should now be placed on how to deploy those projects so they do the least harm to low-income communities near the industries that would be allowed to continue producing fossil fuels if they can capture some of their carbon. Air Board member Davina Hurt, who represents San Mateo County Cities on the Bay Area's Air District Board, the true test is really going to be in the rulemaking, and the devil is really going to be in the details. The six measures outlined in the plan could transform Californians' everyday lives. Here are the six key ways that people could be affected in the years ahead if the plan's rules and other measures are enacted. First, Californians will be driving electric cars. About 7.5 million electric cars are expected to be on the state roads by the end of this decade. Currently, almost 3% of the state's cars are zero emission. Though electric car sales have grown, this year almost 20% of all new cars sold in the state are now zero emission or electric. So again, new cars, as far as new cars, almost one out of every five new cars being bought in California is an EV. But we already have a huge inventory of cars on the roadway, so they only make up about 3% of what's on the road. California's plan places a heavy emphasis on replacing gasoline and diesel vehicles, which are the state's biggest sources of planet-warming greenhouse gases, smog, and fine particles. The transportation sector accounts for about 40% of California's greenhouse gas emissions. In August, the Newsom administration's Air Board already set a groundbreaking regulation that would ban the sales of all new gas-powered cars by 2035. Car manufacturers will have to gradually electrify their fleet of new vehicles, 
beginning with targets in 2026 and increasing targets to 2030 until eventually by 2035, 100% of all new cars must be emissions-free. Owners who have gasoline-powered cars will, of course, be allowed to keep driving them, but the goal of the new rule is to drive the market and force automakers to produce electric vehicles at a faster pace. The new standards are among the most aggressive actions that state regulators have ever taken to clean up vehicle exhaust and improve poor air quality. Airborne officials expect that an abundance of electric vehicles will make them more affordable over time. And more electric vehicles will enter the used car market, which is where, actually, most Californians buy their cars. Still, questions linger about the costs of the cars and the need for more charging capacity. Electric cars appear to be more expensive than their fossil-fueled counterparts, but that's if you're paying cash and looking only at the sticker price. Actually, 85% of vehicles in the U.S. are financed, and electric vehicles qualify for $7,500 or more in tax and government incentives. So when looking at the reduced monthly operating costs aligned with the lower monthly payments, Electric vehicles, when bought new, are actually cheaper than their gas counterparts, monthly cost per monthly cost. The Air Board says that price drops plus savings on gas and maintenance will save drivers thousands of dollars over the next 10 years. Many Californians qualify for additional incentive programs that provide grants and rebates worth thousands of dollars, but these state programs often have long waiting lists and can run out of funding. Since 2010, California has allocated almost $2 billion for three separate electric vehicle programs in the state. There's the Clean Cars for All program, the Clean Vehicle Rebate Project, and the Clean Vehicle Assistance Program. Again, those have been in place for 13 years with $2 billion worth of funding set aside for those three different EV programs. Now, to go along with that, California will need more than 1 million charging stations by the end of this decade. That's a 15-fold increase in just seven years. Currently, there are about 80,000 public chargers operating statewide, with about another 17,000 on the way, according to state data. That puts us at almost 100,000 charging stations in the state, And again, we need about 1 million by the end of this decade. Well, Californians will also be sharing the road with cleaner trucks. Trucks in California will gradually be powered by electricity. About 2 million trucks, delivery vans, and other medium and heavy-duty trucks are driving California's roads and highways, and their diesel exhaust has been linked to many health problems, including asthma and lung cancer. The Air Board in September unveiled a proposal that would require new big rigs and other trucks to be zero emissions within the next 18 years. Under the proposed rule, manufacturers wouldn't be able to sell new gas and diesel-powered trucks that operate in California by 2040 instead of relying on electric models. So again, in California, for passenger vehicles, the date is 2035 for all new vehicles to be electric And for the diesel and truck sector, that date is pushed out five more years to 2040. 
Large trucking companies would need to gradually convert their fleets to zero-emission vehicles, buying more and more over time until they're all zero emissions by 2040. The proposal is vehemently opposed by the trucking industry, which says the technology is not yet ready for widespread use, even as trucking companies buy them every year in increasing numbers. The Air Board is expected to vote next spring on some of the trucking policy details. The proposed rule could put about half a million carbon-free heavy-duty and medium-duty vehicles on Californians' roads over the next 10 years, increasing that to between 1 and 2 million vehicles over the next coming decades. For communities located near ports with lots of diesel vehicles, such as the Los Angeles-Long Beach Complex, air quality would improve. Airboard officials say that this proposal to change the fleet of trucks in California's roads could save more than 5,000 Californian lives over the next 15 years. Next, in addition to cleaner cars and cleaner trucks, more Californians will live in climate-friendly homes. Households will have more heat pumps and more electric stoves, washing machines, and water heaters. The plan sets a goal for developers, businesses, and local governments to construct at least 3 million climate-friendly homes this decade and 7 million climate-friendly homes by 2035, as well as install 6 million heat pumps by 2030. Climate-friendly homes are those that use more energy-efficient systems, and they replace gas appliances with electric ones and add solar rooftop panels. They also have better ventilation and have battery storage systems, as well as updated electrical circuits to support electric cars and appliances. Updating older existing buildings is considered critical to accomplishing the state's clean energy goals. State officials say half of these new investments in climate-friendly homes need to go to low-income, disadvantaged communities. This plan designates heat pumps as the go-to device for developers constructing homes that will comply with the state's strong building efficiency standards. A heat pump converts thermal energy from outside, making a cool space cooler or a warm space warmer. They are a more efficient alternative to current furnaces and old-school air conditioners. Now, these are goals, so they are not mandatory, but the state will play an important role in providing financial incentives for homeowners and businesses. Currently, the California Energy Commission offers zero and no interest loans and grants. Cities, counties, public schools, colleges, hospitals, and other facilities also qualify beyond just homes, and they can apply. Then the federal government also offers loan programs, tax credits, grants, and rebates to California residents, especially with the passage of last year's Inflation Reduction Act. Currently, commercial and residential buildings together in California use 70% of the state's electricity supply. And those commercial and residential buildings account for 25% of the state's greenhouse gas emissions. That's the second largest behind the transportation sector. Well, in addition to the clean cars, the clean trucks, and the climate-friendly homes, next, California's economy will change with more green jobs. The economy will grow, but jobs will change. 
California's economy is projected to rapidly grow under this plan at a rate of about 2% every year. Employment is also expected to grow by millions of new jobs. However, fewer jobs will be held in some sectors, including gas station workers, automobile parts dealers, fossil fuel vehicle mechanics, and fossil fuel industries. On the other hand, the power industry and renewable energy sectors will grow. California's industrial sector, which includes cement plants, oil and gas production, and other manufacturers, is expected to shrink in the next two decades as the state electrifies. Currently, the industrial sector represents about 10% of California's economic output and employs just over 1 million people. That's why state leaders are prioritizing the need for a just transition, where the livelihoods of oil company employees and others are protected as the economy shifts. Creating new jobs for employees whose jobs are at risk is crucial. The transition to clean energy will result in employment opportunities in the renewable energy industry and power sectors, but many of these workers will need to be retrained. Okay, well, after the clean cars, the clean trucks, the clean homes, the green jobs, next Californians will get more of their power from solar and wind. Electricity use, of course, under this plan in order to electrify everything is expected to soar by as much as 68% by 2045. Our energy, our sorry, our electricity use in California is expected to increase by 60% by 2030. So an increase of 60% over the next decade, an increase of 68% by 2045. That means the state needs to make major investments in clean energy to ensure the power grid can handle the uptick in demand. Now, well-researched studies show that not only can California meet that increased demand with 100% renewable energy, but that the cost per kilowatt hour would actually be cheaper than if we had a non-renewable energy-powered grid for the future. One source that the state is counting on is offshore wind development off the coasts of Humboldt and Morro Bay. The scoping plan calls for at least 20 billion watts of offshore wind, making it a critical clean energy source. Governor Gavin Newsom hopes to add 2 to 5 billion watts of offshore wind before the end of this decade. California's offshore wind farms would be the first in the country constructed with floating platforms at a large scale. The turbines are hundreds of feet tall with blades that are bigger than a football field. Five companies recently leased tracks in federal waters off California to build these wind farms. They are at least six to seven years away from operation since the companies need many federal and state permits. California also will need to rapidly build special port facilities and vessels to construct and transport the gigantic turbines. The plan also requires a big push for solar. California currently has 40,000 billion watts of solar. That's 14% of California's total mix just from the sun. The plan's goal is to increase solar power capacity fourfold. However, recently, the California Public Utilities Commission overhauled the rules governing residential solar in a highly contested move that the solar industry says will slow construction of new rooftop solar systems.
And then lastly, as part of this six-point plan, carbon will be captured and stored. The plan calls for capturing and storing carbon dioxide. Carbon capture and storage is different than carbon removal. Carbon capture and storage is referring to technology that will directly capture carbon dioxide as it's actively being emitted by a source, oftentimes a smokestack, and then immediately storing it. Another technique called carbon removal doesn't focus on immediately removing the carbon that's emitted at its source. Instead, carbon removal is focused on removing all of the old legacy carbon that was emitted in the past and is already in the atmosphere. Now combined, 15% of all of California's targeted greenhouse gases, gas cuts, will come from both carbon removal and carbon capture. Under a new law that Newsom prioritized in his climate package, the Air Board must create a new program that puts guardrails on carbon capture and storage projects while streamlining the permitting process. Newsom set an ambitious target for these technology technologies, capturing and storing at least 20 million metric tons of carbon this decade and 100 million metric tons by 2045. Once captured from smokestacks, the carbon could be transported to sites in the Central Valley. The airboard staff says that the valley is an ideal location for injecting carbon dioxide deep into rock formations because it has the capacity to store at least 17 billion tons of it. Though controversial, airboard staff say the technologies are a necessary tool to reduce emissions from industrial sectors such as the cement industry, where no other alternatives may exist. But again, environmental advocates say the plan relies too heavily on these projects, particularly those involving technologies that immediately remove carbon dioxide from the smokestacks of oil refineries and other polluting industries. It means operations at these facilities could continue well past 2045 and prolong the use of fossil fuels. Environmentalists also say that these carbon capture and removal plans wouldn't protect communities such as Wilmington and Richmond that live near industrial plants where some of the state's poorest residents and people of color live. Said Olivia Seideman, a climate policy advocate at the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability, California's shiny new climate strategies still sacrifice low income and communities of color with increased pollution across the state. Well, that story was from the middle of December. And just one month later, things began to shift for California policy. California governor was caught in the eye of the storm over budget cuts, specifically going after climate. This is out of The Guardian in the middle of January. Facing a budget shortfall, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, proposed billions of dollars in cuts to climate spending slashing subsidies for electric vehicles, funding for clean energy, wildlife prevention, and plans to help low-income residents cope with extreme weather. The Democratic governor's announcement, which came amid a week of torrential rains, deadly winds, and flooding, drew sharp and immediate criticism from environmentalists and those who care about the planet. Facing a potential $22.5 billion budget deficit, 
Newsom has suggested pulling back billions that were designed to address inflation and also pay down unemployment insurance debt. But the bulk of his spending cuts slash programs to address the climate crisis and transportation. Overall, Newsom has proposed cutting billions from a multi-year climate spending package that he had touted as the most aggressive action on climate our nation has ever seen. According to Leah Stokes, an associate professor at UC Santa Barbara, Barbara, specializing in energy, climate, and environmental politics, she said Newsom has made a lot of really big promises, so it is disappointing to see cuts on the climate spending because this really needs to be the top priority for the state. As global heating brings more severe droughts and more intense storms, like the one that California was weathering during his announcement, cutting funding for climate crisis adaptation right now is penny-wise and pound-foolish, said Laura Dean, state director for the nonprofit advocacy group Environment California. The brunt of the budget cuts could fall on low-income communities across the state who are disproportionately exposed to pollution from fossil fuel infrastructure and are struggling to survive these yearly cycles of drought, wildfire, heat waves, and storms. Among the governor's line-item cuts from the budget is a delay or a cut in funding for programs to help vulnerable communities cope with extreme heat. Other cuts come from programs that would restore wetlands and protect cities from coastal storm surges. According to Alexis Sutterman, the Energy Equity Program Manager at California Environmental Justice Alliance, these really intense winter storms are happening just a few months after we went through really intensive extreme heat waves. They said cuts to programs addressing extreme weather feel counterintuitive. And for communities dealing with legacies of environmental racism, being deprioritized in the budget can feel like an extra blow, they added. During a press conference to present his budget, the governor said he was trimming climate and transportation programs because of the magnitude of those budgets, unprecedented. Newsom notes in his budget proposal the state will pursue additional federal funding in order to replace cuts to climate and programs. With billions of potential climate investment coming in from the Federal Inflation Reduction Act, Newsom said it was a smart place to consider cuts. And the reductions would also be restored if there is enough funding next year. Newsom's January budget proposal, of course, is only a starting point. It will kick off months of negotiations, after which the governor will release a revised budget for legislators to consider and pass by June. As the governor positions himself to potentially run for federal office, and perhaps, as many politicos have speculated, president, his handling of a deficit after years of surplus and what issues he chooses to prioritize will be scrutinized nationally. Newsom has touted progressive policies and priorities on climate and education, while also pitching himself as fiscally prudent and adept at maintaining a balanced budget. Despite a potential $6 billion in cuts to climate programs, there remains still $48 billion of state investment in climate programs, which Newsom said still remains to be unprecedented. Funding for electric and zero emissions vehicles will probably be a major point of debate. The governor proposed 
a three quarters of a billion dollar reduction in programs to expand zero emission vehicle infrastructure in low income neighborhoods and a one and a half billion dollar reduction in funds for zero emission trucks, buses and transit. Some of those cuts would be offset by funds from the federal government, which again passed a landmark infrastructure law in 2022 that prioritizes programs to combat the climate crisis. But the reductions also come after Newsom campaigned against a ballot measure to fund the transition to electric vehicles, siding with Republicans and against fellow Democrats and environmental groups. That proposition, Prop 30, failed at the ballot. A lack of funding for zero-emission vehicles and infrastructure programs could undermine the governor's own climate crisis goals, environmentalists said. In 2020, Newsom issued an executive order banning the sale of gas-powered vehicles by 2035. Going back to Dean, who is the state director for nonprofit advocacy group Environment California, the article ends by saying California has been speeding toward this clean air, clean car, clean energy future. The proposed budget really would hit the brakes when we should be speeding up. That's all for today's Climate Report, broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. For daily news headlines in between broadcasts, including heaps of good news and tips, there's a Climate Report social media page. And as always, today's show will be archived and posted to the KVMR website's podcast page for sharing or re-listening. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org.